So I know of a consultant physician in Australia who regularly displays uh, what I would consider to behaviour of a bullying nature to lots of different people below him in seniority. Welcome to the Wellbeing Champions podcast brought to you by Loonbase. My name is Aaron. And my name is Tom. This is the Wellbeing Champions podcast, where we bring you pearls of wisdom from the best and brightest in the wellbeing world. We aim to share knowledge and learn from others on how to enable people to truly work and live well. Today's guest is Dr. Adam Harrison. He is a general practitioner, barrister, and medical director who now specializes in life, career, and leadership coaching and mentoring of professionals so they can achieve their goals more quickly. Dr. Adam has a special interest in career transitioners, professionals burning out, and those needing help with their study skills, being bullied, or going through disciplinary processes. Adam, welcome to the show. Hi, hi Aaron and Tom. Thanks so much for having me. It's really good to be here. So we like to kick off each episode with our Fast Five warm-up questions. So I'll start first. What is your favorite book? Okay, so uh, I absolutely love books. Uh, my favorite shops are secondhand bookshops. Um, that doesn't necessarily correlate with me reading a lot um, due to having two young children. Um, I just actually enjoy having books around me. Um, I remember spending hundreds uh, of pounds, if not more, on textbooks at med school, um, clearly thinking that by their mere presence on my bookshelf, uh, the knowledge would diffuse through the air into my brain, but it didn't work like that, unfortunately. Um, my favourite med school text was a, a book um, that you know of, Tom, Robin's Pathologic Basis of Disease, Big Fat Hardback um, by Kumar and Cotron. Uh, such, such a great book. Uh, loads of good illustrations and photos, and I absolutely love a good reference book. Um, when I was about a teenager, I think I got from a, a second-hand book fair a beautiful dark, um, dark blue hardback two-volume illustrated dictionary um, that was published in the 70s or 80s by an American publishing house called Funk and Wagnalls. Um, and it's just like every time I just it's got a comfort for me I'll go to those those books if I want to look something up even though the information's really outdated now but I just love those books so yeah I'm I'm a absolute sucker for a reference book to be honest oh lovely but we know you're down under and switch between Australia and New Zealand so if the two of them are meeting in the in a rugby match in the near future who are you supporting okay can we move on to the next question please no, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm not really a rugby fan. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think I'm still scarred by being forced to play um, the first two years of senior school. Um, <laughs> I can vividly recall the sub-zero temperatures and the disproportionate amount of mud I got covered in on the playing fields. Um, if forced, um, I think I'd, I'd have to support New Zealand as I'm starting to learn about the Maori culture here. And the All Blacks hacker is a fascinating ritual. So, mm. And I'd probably be, um, if any... Locals listen to this. I'll probably be beaten for saying Australian. Same so. Australian. <laughs> yeah. Good. Okay, I like that. And do you prefer Facebook or LinkedIn? For business and learning, it's got to be LinkedIn. But for my personal life, it's got to be Facebook. Um, and I think they're both ideally suited to those activities. Top purchase that you made in the last year that's that's boosted your own well-being. Okay. So yeah, given that this is a well-being podcast and. I get the general feeling that watching TV is widely eschewed uh, due to being thought of in some quarters as an anti-mindful activity. Uh, I'm going to be quite controversial and say my Apple TV box. (laughs) (laughs) How can you survive a pandemic without it? (laughs) Well, exactly. Exactly. But I absolutely love TV and film and 
I would argue that for me at least, it is a mindful activity. I get thoroughly engrossed and immersed in what I'm watching, assuming it's uh, you know really good, to the exclusion of all negative thoughts. Um, I don't get as much time to watch watch it as I'd like to. Um, you know, especially since our, our daughters have come along. But when I do, I actually do feel really relaxed and it genuinely brings me joy. And if you could have a giant billboard with anything on it, so metaphorically getting the message out to millions or billions of people, what would you say on the billboard and why? So my mum would say that my motto uh, or my, my epitaph should be uh, – would be why do today what you should have done yesterday when you can do it next week? Um, because I do have a tendency to prevarication. <laughs> but um, I'd have to say, um, if the COVID era has taught us anything, that um, it's life can be short. Um, so hold your loved ones near and enjoy every moment. And with respect to work, we spend a lot of our life working. So aspire and strive to do what you love and love what you do. I love it. Yeah. Get it stuck on a T-shirt. And, oh, it's, oh, it's, <laughs> big, big, big T-shirt. You'd need big t- yeah, well, no, yeah. <laughs> we've, all put, we've all put weight on the pandemic. I think, yeah, I think my clothes size are creeping up as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> on today's episode, we're focusing on bullying in the workplace. Um, and, um, and with Adam's skills and expertise in this area, um, we'd like to delve a bit deeper into the kind of topic of bullying. How would you define bullying? Um, and, um, and that might include legal definitions otherwise, but kind of, have you, got, have you got a definition of bullying that people might be able to associate with? Yeah, I mean, I've sourced this from things like um, bullying charity websites and um, .gov.uk and, and so on. And there's no actual legal definition of bullying itself in the UK. But it's usually defined as behaviour such as spreading malicious rumours, unfair treatment, picking on or regularly undermining someone. Uh, denying someone's training or promotion opportunities, which is repeated, intended to hurt someone either physically or emotionally, unwanted by the recipient, and often aimed at certain groups, uh, for example, because of the race, religion, gender, or sexual orientation. Um, and the reason I say uh, usually is, and I think about this a lot, is the, it's the repeated uh, aspect to it that is what sort of troubles me. Um, a little bit and having been a, a victim of what I would consider to be bullying it's um, I don't think that is always applicable so it, it kind of makes me think is it uh, repeated um, receipt of that behavior by the victim and just by one other perpetrator or can it be that there's a bully who is repeatedly bullying lots of people but maybe on just one occasion um, so I know of a consultant physician in Australia who regularly displays uh, what I would consider to behaviour of a bullying nature to lots of different people below him in seniority, including med students and junior doctors on his team. Um, so going by the usual definition, he wouldn't be classed as a bully just because he isn't picking on the same person repeatedly. So I think the you know if it's a very severe one-off episode with intention or premeditation then that is um just as um relevant to me to be honest with you um and i suppose just as relevant to the individual isn't it i mean just you know those episodes can be um 
just as difficult to deal with and, and cause as much trauma as maybe you know Absolutely. three or four short Absolutely. shorter lived maybe less you know less impactful episodes. So um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with you. That, um, um, but very difficult to define, isn't it? Very difficult to define. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's different with harassment. Um, so in the UK, bullying itself is not against the law, but harassment is. Um, that's when the unwanted behaviour is related to one of the protected characteristics under the Equality Act. Um, and under the Protection from Harassment Act, um, a person must not pursue a course of conduct which amounts to harassment of another and which he knows or ought to know amounts to harassment of the other. Um, and that, again, can include physical conduct, verbal conduct, non-verbal conduct, um, and it can be face-to-face, by letter, by email, by phone. So it's a very wide, de- uh, you know, uh, broad definition. And I'd love to know what sparked your interest in bullying and kind of what, what's the, the origin story there? So it would have been uh, about, yeah, just over a year ago. So about 13 months ago, um, 13, 14 months ago. Uh, one of my, uh, I was a tutor for uh, Indigenous medical students in Australia, in Darwin. And uh, one of my, uh, the students who I tutored in her second year, she just started her third year because the academic years run from January to December there um, and she'd literally just done her um, first ever clinical placement she was end of the first week of her first ever clinical placement on a medical firm and uh, she had uh, an absolutely awful experience at the hands of um, funnily enough this Australian consultant physician that I alluded to before um, and um, she was I won't go into the details, but she was um, intimidated, humiliated, um, made to feel um, awful in front of uh, a team of about 11 people. Um, and um, she, she called me up in, uh, you know, in tears, really, asking, what, you know, what do you advise I should do about this? And just um, listening to her, I was sort of reliving some, some stuff of my own it's situations where I'd felt that I'd been bullied while I was a doctor, a junior doctor. And within sort of 20 minutes of thinking, I'd come up with eight situations that I um, that made me extremely, extremely upset at work. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> I thought, blimey, it's, it's amazing how these things stick with you. Because when you, when you hear someone else talking about it, it's, it's the feelings that come rushing back. You know, you can't remember the exact words that we use by people but you can remember very strongly how you felt and then a few things happened I had a few a few little nudges um that um yeah kind of put me on that road really so um I am a a a general life and leadership coach and uh I would use coaching to help people who've been bullied because the problems that they suffer are very are very coachable Mm -hmm. um and skills that are general uh, life and leadership coach can have um, but uh, that's I'm, I'm increasingly sort of niching down into that area um, because of my experiences great and and as obviously we've seen a shift in in working styles um, and you know more remote working it may well be too early to have any concrete data on this but do you think there's shifting patterns in how people are bullied or victimized or harassed like is that something that you've kind of encountered or experienced I think the um, the effect of COVID on people um, 
still working in the office and whether they're they're kind of being bullied because they're believers in COVID or not believers in COVID or whether they've had suspected or actually suffered COVID has probably led to an increase in bullying by their colleagues. And I think there's whether the increase in homeworking has led to more bullying. So, for example, um, colleagues uh, alleging that people are not pulling their weight because they're working from home and, and uh, you know, that kind of thing. But I think another aspect is, and, and, and obviously for me it's um, especially pertinent because it's to do with healthcare workers. So the increased stress levels in the workplace secondary to the increased workload as a result of the COVID patients and the complexity of their illnesses and the healthcare workers being understandably very anxious and concerned around the risks to their own health looking after these patients and, and the health of their families um, is all that that increased stress spilling over into frank bullying i mean anecdotally i'd have to say that more doctors have reported experiencing what they consider to be bullying behavior in the last year uh, but i can't find any data to support that though logic di- dictates it to be true i think there's also been an upturn in unintentionally unkind conduct towards colleagues as a consequence of the work stress. So which, when you combine that with other people being generally more anxious at the moment and hence extra sensitive to negative behaviour, may lead us to think that the prevalence of bullying is higher than it actually is. Because you've got that kind of combination of people who are a bit more stressed and a bit more snappy and then people are a bit more anxious and a bit more sensitive. And, you know, that's a... Um, a bad combination isn't it yeah our platform works with a large uh, home care provider domiciliary home care provider and, and and you know anecdotally they're reporting that you know the rates of stress have jumped but really in their younger care providers so um and, yeah. and they you know they can't really identify why they've said that the, the younger care providers under 40 um the rates of stress of, of time off sick with um with stress and burnout and low level mental health problems um has really jumped yeah. but much less prevalent in the um in the over 40s and they um I mean, I think they're interested in trying to find out why, as in like, you know, other skill sets or other other organizational um, reasons why. But, um, you know, different groups of people are um, experiencing different stresses, um, and particularly, you know, particularly the young, you know, younger age groups. And, and therefore, they might then be either more susceptible to to be on the receipt of perceived bullying or to, you know, to actually be um, involved in bullying encounters themselves and uh, and being the perpetrator. Can you tell us a little bit more about the bystander effect and any examples that you're happy to share? Yes, yeah, definitely. This is a really interesting um, concept. Um, So the the bystander effect or Genovese syndrome is is quite a controversial social psychology theory, uh, which states that individuals are less likely to offer help to a victim when there are other people present. From my own experience, I was singled out and spoken to very harshly on a cardiothoracic ward by a consultant cardiac surgeon in front of approximately 10 fellow doctors and nurses Mm -hmm. and four patients because it was in one of those old old bays. Um, And I was balled out in the bay in front of all those people and not one person tried to deflect um, the consultant onto something else or distract the situation, you know, like by saying, oh, let's move on to the next patient. They all did just stand there and watch the show. Um, so I, from my own personal experience, I think that there may well be something behind um, the bystander effect. Um, 
But um, applying this to the workplace, there was a study in 2009 published in a a very unknown journal with the Journal of the International Ombudsman Association. <laughs> a bit, bit random. <laughs> Subscriber. <laughs> Suggest, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely life member. That um, um, apparently uh, there are dozens of reasons why people don't act on the spot or come forward in the workplace when they see behaviour they consider unacceptable. The most important reasons cited for not acting were fear of loss of important relationships in and out of the workplace and a fear of bad consequences. And I'm kind of thinking, you know, a fear of loss of important relationships. So, you know, some of the people staying around me were registrars, so they didn't want to, you know, lose favour with the consultant. Uh, fear of bad consequences, what's that? Maybe not getting signed off in your annual appraisal or not getting a reference for your next job or something like that. So it's, it's, it is understandable, um, I think, the bystander effect, especially in medicine. I am, um, yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think the well, all the kind of well publicized cases, particularly of like you know hideous violent crimes, really show a difference to what what's proposed in the bystander effect. Lancaster University, like very close to us, it's about you know ten minutes away. They looked at some work and said, you know, actually, in you know in these you know these in these horrific things like the London Bridge attack, actually, you know, the, there are people mm. out there who you know who are, well, are very willing to put themselves at risk, for, you know, for very heroic actions. Yeah. But I suppose then I think really I think the bystander effect is, is it's much more situational, isn't it? It's much more dependent on the like mm. as you've alluded to, it's much more dependent onto the situation that people find themselves in and maybe if you know maybe if it was a, a violent spree that that people either jump to action and find themselves that that's their you know that was their kind of innate response to that situation but in much more difficult social context where you're um where you're you know you're very mindful of your own role and the impact you'll have on your future um and you've also got time to process that you know it's not when it's not an instantaneous thing if you've got time to process that i think that would affect how people act and react and um and to say actually yeah, yeah. i suppose if you find myself in a difficult situation am i being a bystander um yeah. And, and do I want to take some action here? And if so, what's that going to be? Um, yeah, it, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, um, as you say, it's very situational. So if someone was uh, out in the street with a submachine gun, I I would just be thinking, if I get shot, then my my girls are going to be without a dad, you know. And do I do I want to risk that, you know? Um, but equally, if I'm on a you know a situation on a ward or something like that, someone says something racist. I would like to think I would definitely call it out. Um, so yeah, it's it's really situational. That's really yeah. I totally agree, Tom. Yeah, I've, 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 well, I'll give you an example. I've, I've encountered racism on a ward directly, and it was a very difficult mm. circumstances because it, the 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 um, the perpetrator of the racist comments had advanced dementia. Um, and um, and so the, and, and this was directed towards the consultant who was you know who was leading the um, leading the round. Um, mm. And this, um, yeah, so a very difficult encounter. You know, a very difficult encounter. Um, mm. um, and and really, I think that the, the a demonstration of of how to you know how to act to that you know that this this um, this disgusting comment that was made um, was yeah. really to, for everyone for everyone to leave and to close down that situation because it got very awkward quite quickly. Um, and the mm. sis, the sister who was there um, managed it very very well. And and really she just showed she showed huge empathy um, to this consultant at the time and said you shouldn't you know you shouldn't have heard that that sh you know that shouldn't be behaviour that you experience. I'm really sorry you felt that way. But we all you know we all we all know he's got advanced dementia and and um, and and how would you like to you know how would you like to proceed? And we took five minutes out. Mm. But, you know people had a cup of tea whatever. And then and then we get back to it. Um, and so I think. Um, 
um, I think um, in managing those kind of difficult scenarios, it often needs this, you know, this, yeah. this time to step away, re- reflect on the situation, show some empathy, and um, and give it a bit yeah. of time to consider. But um, but yeah, that's not really I suppose, yeah. that's not really to do with bullying and such. But it was just more a, more of a point about you know racist behaviours and how actually some of these counties are really difficult, aren't they? So I believe that some conflict in the workplace is has got to be a good thing. It's been demonstrated to enable early problem identification and open our eyes to new ideas and verbalize our needs. How do you think organizations can go about getting that balance right? I do think it's really difficult for employers to strike the right balance because different employees will have different thresholds for getting offended and then involving HR. That is a real risk if if the managers get it wrong. Um, So I think that um, employers and managers need to get the basics right during group or team discussions. Um, So for example, some some things that I've been thinking about. So if you're going to have a, uh, a conversation where you're going to encourage that kind of mild conflict to get the creative juices flowing and enable people to uh, learn their their limits and and control their emotions and so on, set out ground rules at the start. That's just a basic thing to do. Make sure that people know that you're creating a safe space for the participants. Make it explicit. I even thought maybe you could have, um, for the potentially, um, you know, uh, oversensitive participants have safe words to for people to use if it's a potentially upsetting subject. Emphasize the equality of input and actually enforce it. So it's all very well for us to say, yeah, everyone's got an equal say. But then if you just step back and let let the group get on with it and someone's taking over, you're not, you're not enforcing it. Um, explain that the discussion is supposed to be constructive. Um, and if one participant feels the conflict is too robust, they must feel empowered to voice that concern or leave the discussion if they want to. Um, and uh, to use a clubhouse term, the facilitator must reset the room. Um, and they're, they're sort of like the, the things I've thought about as to, to try and enable it to go uh, you know, more swimmingly. The um, yeah, I mean, I've got I've got a good example of where if efficiencies have been driven by by a very well managed approach to creative problem solving. So I'll give, I'll give the example. The example was it was actually an Australian company where um and and this was in the pandemic. So they mo- they moved to much more remote working. Um and yeah. they um they run this kind of Kanban methodology. This two week this two week sprints of getting work done um, in an, in an engineering world. Um, and um, and they and they have a at the end of, at the end of each two weeks they have a, a kind of a creative ideas um, brainstorming event to try and hypothesize you know what's the best way to take the next you know our, our next targets forward um, and so everybody's encouraged to bring forward their ideas to the table and what they found is that consistently it was always senior members in the team or um, people who were with with very good sales pictures of their own ideas were getting their ideas through and they and they reflected on it and said actually like the, the the quality of ideas that we're that we're running with here. It, is maybe not as good because we're not presenting these in the right way. And so they moved to this anonymous presentation of ideas. So people would, you know, would put their ideas into a hat and without being assigned to any names. And then the list of creative ideas would be um, would be thrown out there. Um, and what they found is actually people with a great sales pitch often clung on to an idea, you know, then would clung on to, to a better idea and they'd give that a good sales pitch. Um, and, it, yeah. and, and nobody knew where these ideas came from. Um, and it was kept anonymous yeah. for that reason. And they found that actually a productivity boosted junior colleagues may well have had their ideas been, been run with. And so they're feeling... Uh, 
they're feeling well respected and you know that they're adding value to the uh, to the company and um and so it's just yeah really creative way of saying of taking you know taking something that would naturally cause a bit of conflict because it's, it's something that you hold yeah, personal yeah. your idea um and saying actually if we know if we yeah. if we throw it out there anonymously uh, and we say you know let's have an open discussion about this and we if it came from the uh, the janitor or if it came from the ceo we don't care where it came from we just want to have a discuss about you know discussion about um the best ways to take the next sprint forward um and they found that yeah. was really effective for them so i think i think there's lessons to be learned um from that kind of yeah. uh, you, know, an, you know an anonymous open forum yeah 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 no that's a re- that's a really good idea because there will uh definitely be people with really good ideas who just don't have the confidence to speak up and, and then the company is missing out on those potential um, you know, money, money spinning ideas. Um, and what we'd like to do is throw some scenarios at you, if that's okay, in terms yeah. of experiences that people might encounter in a workplace and, and see if we can kind of pull out some top tips for, for managing them. So the first scenario is an individual who feels like they're being bullied or harassed. What would be your top tips for how I should think about combating it and, and how I should seek support? Mm-hmm. And particularly, I don't want to rush to HR straight away, but when should I think about that yeah. support? Um, uh, um, you know, when should I go down the kind of more legal legal route? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think firstly, if um, the alleged victim feels um, up to doing so, um, they should try and think about whether the conduct they've been on the receiving end of would objectively be classed as bullying or harassment according to the definitions that we chatted about before Mm -hmm. um, or consider whether they are just feeling like they've been bullied but actually, you know, they may be being oversensitive to some unkind behaviour which wasn't actually intended to cause them any harm. You know, they've taken it personally and actually, um, you know, the, um, the perpetrator was just having a bad day or having a tough time at home. It's nothing to do with the, the person who's been on receiving end. So basically depersonalise it, yeah. which, is, which can be very, very empowering. Um, and that is not in any way to diminish um, the suffering that someone who feels like they've been bullied is experiencing and they may still need help mm-hmm. with that. Um, but I think it is really important to uh, to make that distinction as to whether it is a, a, you know, officially um, bullying or harassment. I think another way of uh, looking at because obviously you're, you're quite uh, subjective, is to ask uh, a sympathetic colleague um, for their support, see if they mind if you run it by them and ask them if they think you've been bullied. Or, you know, um, but obviously you need to be someone who's quite kindly um, yeah. with you at work. And then again, if you feel confident enough to do so, take the conversation to the alleged bully. Um, and I think you'd need to prepare yourself mentally for that interaction before you do it. So um, having a framework uh, to use to to couch that um conversation is really helpful because uh, you know in the heat at the moment when you're all emotional you'll forget forget stuff so if you don't manage to come to an agreement with the um with the perpetrator then you should proceed to make a formal complaint using your employer's grievance procedure um if this doesn't work and, you, and you're still being bullied or harassed uh, you can take legal action through an employment tribunal um you can also get acas involved the advisory conciliation and arbitration service um uh, they will they will help for free. Yeah, and provide advice. Then. Oh, great! Thank you. I'll throw another scenario out, almost on the flip side. If if someone has been accused of bullying, how could they approach the situation constructively? Yeah. So, um, 
I think uh, you're you're relying on um, a certain amount of insight and self awareness here mm-hmm. on the on the part of the um, alleged bully, um, because it would be useful for them to try to objectively analyze the situation and uh, apply what what they said or did according to the definitions that we discussed. Or again, and this might be a bit more uncomfortable to do, but ask uh, another trusted friend or colleague to think about what you what you did or said and tell you whether they think it was bullying or harassment. But then um, the next thing to do is arrange to speak to the person that you upset um, in the presence of a third party if they want to bring someone along with them. I think that's really important. Um, ask them to tell you what happened from their viewpoint and, and how it made them feel and then acknowledge their feelings. Explain what happened and why it happened from your perspective and then apologise for upsetting them. Um, and then finally, agree on a course of action to prevent it from happening again. And if I'm concerned that someone else is being bullied, but maybe they're not speaking up about it, and maybe they're not, mm. you know, maybe that I'm concerned that someone's not seeking help when I think that they should. Have you got any pointers or guidance as to how you might raise it with them or with the perpetrators? If I were concerned about uh, someone else being a victim, I, I would talk to them um, to find out what they think and, and how they feel. We may look at it and think it's it's been bullying. They may not consider themselves to be bullied or they may not care. Alternatively, they may have full insight into the fact that they have experienced bullying, um, but they, for their own reasons, may not want to do anything about it. Uh, for example, in, in medicine, they might only have a few weeks of their current job left before they're rotating around to another job and they just want to keep their head down, not rock the boat and get the hell out of, of Dodge with their reference intact. Yeah. Um, and I think what the um, the colleague can do that's helpful in that case is just let their their friend, the victim, know that it isn't their fault. It is very common that they shouldn't feel any shame and that they're not on their own. So they've got a, a you know a good a good friend, trusted friend to um, to speak to if they need it. Um, regarding possibly raising it with the bully. Mm. Um, I do generally think it's a good thing to call out such behaviour. Um, I think it's easier if you have a good relationship with the bully. Um, and it may be that they don't even realise they're coming across as a bully. Um, and I know that um, I'd like to be told if, if I'd come across uh, in that way so that I could you know, amend my ways. But I think in, in that situation, try to leave the victim out of it, if at all possible, because you might inadvertently end up compromising them. Oh, great. Thank you. That's some, that's some great tips. So I, I think we've, we've mentioned some scenarios that can bring up extremely stressful feelings for people. I'd be curious to know when you personally encounter stress and the feeling of overwhelm, do, do you have any go-to techniques that you use? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. So, I mean, I, I tend to employ the usual stress-relieving techniques, uh, really. I think the acuteness of the situation determines the technique to use. So, for example, if it's happening there and then, like you're being shouted at by a senior colleague on the ward, um, you just need to hold your ground, feel the ground on your feet, centre yourself, for example, concentrate your heart, your navel, place a hand on your crown, um, do some box breathing, and this will calm your um, amygdala down and stop you from going into full-blown fight-or-flight mode. Um, when I'm overburdened at work, for example, running very behind in my clinic, and sometimes I've run an hour behind um, in, a, in a GP surgery, 
sometimes you just have to let the stress wash over you like a huge metaphorical tsunami. I literally have sat there thinking, I'm feeling this tsunami coming over me. Um, and I will just sit there quietly for a couple of minutes while taking deep breaths. And then I always feel much better after I, I do that. Um, and in my general kind of um, uh, time to calm myself down over over a long period of time, I try to practice mindfulness. I'm not a um, a huge meditator or, or um, yoga practitioner, but some people do do this and it's um, purported to be hugely beneficial. Um, in fact, there was um, a study, <coughs> um, um, and I can send you the, uh, the link to um, the article. Okay. Um, the, um, the U.S. Army are now trialing uh, meditation, uh, yoga, and mindfulness. Um, to improve endurance, reduce pain during recovery periods, and better manage stress and homesickness. And then just quickly relating this part of our conversation back to conflict, um, there was an article in the Harvard Business Review that states that, that practicing a type of meditation known as loving-kindness meditation can help practitioners solve conflict at work. Um, I mean, I... Don't ask me about loving kindness meditation, no, no, but I just found the study, uh, <laughs> so I can I can send you that as well. But it's it it it's not something that will help you in the acute situation, but it's something that if you encounter the situations, having that kind of um, meditation background can help you deal with it much easier. Apparently, so. And what does the future hold for you, Adam? Like, where are you excited about taking your coaching? Is there things that, that we should watch out for, and where can we see more of you in the future? So my my mission as a as an individual um, coach is to help professionals who feel like they're suffering the um, ill effects of working in toxic environments, including bullying and harassment, um, develop their skills um, they need to successfully deal with their situations, so they can be happier and more successful at work. And I use coaching techniques to help them resolve the consequences of bullying and come out the other side more confident, resilient, assertive, and influential. So there's a lot of um, people who've been bullied who need counselling or, or um, you know, psychotherapy or something like that for PTSD and, and um, you know, terrible consequences like that. That's not what I do. I will work with the sort of coachable um, consequences of it, you know, like imposter syndrome and um, confidence issues and burnout and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but my, my ultimate aim is to, in the long term, is to help as many organisations and um, individual professionals within them as I can, overcome workplace toxicity and get to a place where they both thrive. Um, and I will try to do this by running group workshops for leadership teams and one-to-one and group sessions for victims of the toxicity. So that's the, uh, the ultimate aim. Great. Hopefully I'll have some employees one day to help me with that as well. <laughs> Are there one or two people that you could think of that you'd love to hear on the podcast? Yes, um, so there's a, uh, a wonderful uh, lady who um, encouraged me at the very very outset of my coaching journey um, before we moved to Australia, in, uh, which was in the summer of 2019, called Pam Burrows. Um, Pam Burrows' little uh, uh, tagline is People Booster, so that's PBPB. Right. <laughs> um, and uh, she is a, a coach, a motivational trainer, um, a well-being specialist, and she is... Just a a bundle of energy and positivity 
um, and she has tremendous results and she is just a, a pleasure to to be in her orbit basically um, so she would be phenomenal uh, I think she'd get you both very excited if you interviewed her good oh too right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she get yeah very uh, she's very enthusiastic and um, one of my GP colleagues um, Helen Gar um, and we we did some coaching together before we were both trained coaches um, for our local medical committee um, for portfolio GP coaches she's known as the well-being GP on Facebook and she uh, what she doesn't know about well-being isn't really worth knowing and, and she's so um, amazing at sort of transferring that information to an audience from from a stage so yeah she's another uh superbly enthusiastic and um knowledgeable person and um, i think she'd be a great guest as well lovely you know i've come across her work it's um yeah no very inspirational work she she puts out absolutely um and finally then where can people reach you and where can they connect with you so uh yeah my email address is uh, Harrison at gmail.com so dr.adamharrison all as one word at gmail.com i'm on linkedin as dr adam harrison uh, my facebook page is at coaching mentoring doctors so that's all as one one thing coaching mentoring doctors and my my twitter handle for my coaching account is just medical leadership coach all as one word with capital m l and c so please you know if if anyone is is listening to this and they're lying awake at night thinking about how their boss is belittling them with with her comments or that they've been made to feel inferior by senior colleagues or they've been segregated by um, by people to stop them from talking to you um, don't suffer in silence please reach out to me and I can coach you to overcome these and related issues. Well, thank you so much, Adam. It was a great episode. I think loads of value for our audience and we'll link all the ways to connect with you. We'll put them in the show notes so people know how to get hold of you. Brilliant. Thanks so much, um, Aaron and Tom. Thanks for having me. I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Loonbase. Loonbase is an all-in-one wellbeing platform for your workplace. Listeners of this podcast can get an exclusive deal. Just simply go to loonbase.com forward slash champions. That's loonbase.com forward slash champions to find out more.